I'm Josh Noble. This is Citation Needed. Hello and welcome to Episode 6 of Citation Needed, a conversation with good friends about good books. On today's episode, Justine Vandergrift. Today's book is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Pressfield is the author of The Legend of Bagger Vance, which he later turned into a Hollywood movie, and Gates of Fire, a novel about the 300 Spartans defending the Persian invasion. Pressfield has a military background. He was in the Marine Corps, and his father was a Navy during World War II when Pressfield was born. Pressfield is an honorary citizen of the city of Sparta, and his Spartan approach to art is evident in this book. The book is split into three sections, one in which he discusses the nature of resistance, one in which he discusses turning pro as the antidote for resistance, and one in which he talks about the nature of inspiration. The book is often harsh. Pressfield does not mince words as he lays out his vision for the life of an artist and the purpose of art. He sees art principally as an internal battle between resistance, which maintains the status quo, fails to seek excellence, and is just generally mediocre, and a full true expression of the self, which takes form in any expression of art. Joining me today to discuss the War of Arts is Justine Vandergrift. Justine hails from Lacombe, Alberta, and I had the good fortune to meet Justine as a classmate at the King's University. Justine is a singer-songwriter who is currently touring, recording, and otherwise carving out a career in the music industry. Justine is deeply principled and passionate about social justice and numerous other social issues. She has a great strength of will, independence, and determination that makes her an inspiring person to know. Justine was kind enough to sit down with me today to discuss uh, making her music uh, and just what inspires her and her life generally. So thanks so much for joining me today, Justine. Thank you for having me. It's great great to do this. I'm really excited to talk about this book. Yeah, I'm so glad that you put it on my radar. Uh, it's interesting to see what an artist is reading. And how has totally. the day how has the day been for you? Really good. Yeah, I was uh, I was fighting resistance today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was playing at the Edmonton Airport, which I I often do, and um, it's an interesting gig because we're we're there to sort of um, just provide atmosphere and for three hours but I played for five hours straight so my, my fingers are actually hurting quite a bit <laughs> so I play a combination of my songs and cover songs and that's been a really really valid practice it's, it's really forced me to keep playing keep writing keep improving my um my skills and um kind of getting getting over all of those self-doubt and all of those issues and and things that get get in your way of actually just doing your craft and performing and singing and yeah okay well, yeah it was really great well i'm glad that you had uh, another day of performing and gigging today um mm. i i am so glad that you put this book on my radar when and why did you read it first is there some sort of a story there yeah so it was earlier this year Actually, last year, about this time, I had just finished applying 
to go to UBC and I also applied to King's University to go into the education program to get my teaching degree. Um, I was feeling financially stressed and kind of had a lot of self-doubt, felt like my music wasn't really going anywhere and it was getting too hard. And, and I really, I do love the idea of being a teacher. I, I really like kids. So anyway, I applied for this education program. And but it wasn't like the whole summer it wasn't sitting right with me. And then my aunt, who is a huge role model of mine and a really important person in my life, she recommended reading this book and her and her family had read it. And she said, uh, you just it's just something that you have to do. I just just read it. And I'm not actually a big reader to begin with. I'll be honest about that. Um, and especially not motivational literature necessarily. I think what I knew about this book was like, oh, this is kind of a motivating self-help kind of book. And. I just thought, well, I don't know if I'll have time. I just get too busy with a lot of other things. But I was once I opened it up, I, I couldn't stop reading it because it, it really actually felt like it was speaking into my life and, and the exact things that I was struggling with. And um, yeah, it just really put a title to um, my journey as an artist and um, as a creative person and all those those deep needs to be creative and how I had been um, shutting them down for a long time and feeling like they weren't legitimate needs and they weren't, they weren't important things in my life. And so this book really affirmed that, um, that, that creative struggle is, is very important and being able to overcome resistance is very important. So since I've read it, my life has taken a pretty big turn where I've just decided no matter how hard it is, I'm going to work really hard to um, continue to pursue music and art and um, continue to pursue my career as a, as a musician in Canada. And, um, and yeah, it's been a really important thing to go back to. And it's been so interesting because since then I've had a lot of friends, a lot of fellow musicians, songwriters, artists dealing with very similar struggles and so I've recommended this book to a ton of people and uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about a lot of the, the theories and the principles and ideas in this, in the book for sure. Okay. And have you read anything else by Pressfield or is this the only of his that you've read? This is it. I've read a couple of his quotes and interviews online, but this is the book that I know. So you really didn't know exactly what you were going to be getting into when you picked up the book? Mm -mm. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. It's a pleasant surprise. I didn't even know actually until after I read it um, how about Pressfield's involvement in the military. So that was kind of a, I'm actually glad that I didn't know that beforehand because that might have <laughs> influenced the way I read the book. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no, I just read it for what it was and uh, it really did speak into my life. Okay. So not your normal t style of book not really an author that you've otherwise read, um, but but managed to be a fairly important and kind of a watershed book or leading to a watershed moment for you in your uh, like artistic journey, but also in your artistic career. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. If you were going to tell a friend to read the book and say, you should read this book, it's like blank, what would you compare it to, whether a book or something else? Right. I'd probably tell them it's like a therapy session. It's like a really good therapy session reading this book. 
when you when I asked you to be a part of a citation needed, you uh, you right away had this this book that you wanted us to uh, to talk about. Um, is mm-hmm. it's principally because it was um, something that was so important for you as that watershed moment, or was there is is that the specific reason that you wanted us to read this text, or was there some other um, reasons? Well, it really is a book that I. I would like everyone to read um, because because of how fulfilling it is. It really puts a lot of things into perspective. I felt that um, it, it's actually not a book just for creative people. I think it's a it's a book to to support a number of different lifestyles, areas of work, processes. So that's sort of why I wanted to talk about it, just to give more attention to the book. Because, yeah, I think it's already quite, it's really quite famous and um, popular literature for sure. But I think it's a really interesting text for for a number of different people. Okay. So we'll get into the text itself and, and kind of dig up some quotes and that sort of thing. But before we do that, what was the key idea uh, or maybe ideas for you when you read it? Probably that the whole concept of resistance, the concept that like resistance isn't a personal thing. It's not like one person is especially under attack by resistance. But I think that it's it's a, it's a strangely human thing that we do when when there is work that needs to be done. And the thing that we love the most and the thing that is most important to us is the thing that we're most afraid of and the thing that we continue to avoid. And and by doing that, we hurt ourselves a lot and and then we we end up um we end up investing in all of these things that we don't like in ourselves we we become someone that we don't want to be because we're avoiding the thing that we essentially deep down really do want to be and the thing that we want to pursue and i see it i i think i've i've always sort of seen that i've sort of always known that to be true but uh yeah I, I think that that whole the whole concept of resistance and maybe that's something that we could go over. I was trying to find the list of uh, the the things that define resistance because um, I think that that's that that's my favorite part of the the book for sure. I think that that's what I gravitated towards at first, but then yeah, once you identify that, then everything else gets becomes clear as well. The whole idea of um, becoming pro and um, what does it look like to overcome resistance and stuff? Okay. Uh, and when you say the uh, the sort of shape of resistance, do you mean the one where he talks about the activities that commonly elicit resistance? Uh, description? Yes. Um, yeah, it was actually a list. I'm looking to see. I think it was about 10 points um, of, uh, and they're very tangible things. Like one of them was anything... I don't know if you remember that anything that involves a str- strengthening your abdominals. Oh, okay. No, that, that is the, um, the, th- the activities that most commonly elicit resistance. So, right. Uh, yeah. this, yes. Okay. The following is a list in no particular order of those activities that most commonly elicit resistance, the pursuit of any calling and writing, painting, music, film, dance, or any creative art, however, marginal or unconventional, the launching of an entrepreneurial venture or enterprise for profit or otherwise, any diet or health regimen, any program of spiritual advancement, any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals, 
any course or program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit or addiction, education of every, every kind, any act of political, moral, or ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better some unworthy pattern of thought or conduct in ourselves. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, I would say that there's a lot of people that can relate to that. And did that really speak to you when you were reading it? Yeah, I think so. I think that it was sort of that that caught my attention at least because I thought, oh, hmm, interesting. Those are the things that typically get in the way of of me doing something. So, so for me, I also related to to him how how uh, it's really just about doing the work as as he's a playwright and. What's important to him is just getting out of bed and then creating a routine which just forces you to work, forces you to write. Even if what you're writing isn't very good, even if you're not necessarily feeling it or feeling really inspired, the act of doing it um, opens yourself to to the work and the, the art and the, the muses as he defines them. And um, I find that that's true too for me. It's like I have to just sit down and sometimes try to write a song and usually when I try to write a song those are the worst possible songs that no one will ever hear <laughs> but uh, but then once in a while like I think when I'm going through that process I'm learning skills and I'm coming up with little little pieces that later on come into my songs or into my performances or you know just sitting down and taking out all the distractions which is I think very important nowadays it's very very it's increasingly hard to stay away from distractions i think especially in the the iphone culture that i'm very much a part of it's really important for me to put the phone away put everything else away and just kind of sit down and write sometimes poetry um sometimes i just play guitar and see what i come up with and um you know it's not like i always come out with something but i do feel somehow more more connected as a human being when I'm able to do that work and I feel more purposeful and a little bit better about about life and which I think is important because then I have more to contribute then I have more to to give it to the people in my life and um to whatever's coming my way I guess so so yeah the whole the whole idea of getting like identifying those things that are getting in the way of the work, the creative work that we need to do. Um, that's, that's really important. So that caught my attention for sure. Okay. Well, let's get into that first section a little bit. So, um, in this first section about resistance, uh, mm -hmm. Pressfield, he offers a pretty intense, uh, appraisal of art and the purpose for art. Um, mm -hmm. so there's lots of things that we could cover there, but, uh, he talks about resistance as real personified uh it's like a being or something he says mm -hmm. resistance cannot be seen touched heard or smelled but it can be felt we experience it yeah. as an energy field radiating from a work in potential it's a repelling force it's negative its aim is to shove us away distract us prevent us from doing our work um mm -hmm. so for you what do you make of his personification of resistance and is though is that the way that you experience resistance almost as like a personal agent or being or or like what's that experience like for you yeah that's an interesting question um i wouldn't say that 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 whole idea of resistance as, 
is uh, the enemy, like, like the devil that's coming in to, you know, tap on your, your psyche all the time. And um, I, I don't think that I've, I've felt resistance as a being. And that's, that's an interesting idea because maybe I want to be able to take a little bit more responsibility for, for the things that get in the way of uh, creativity. So I think calling it resistance is, is sort of just a, a, a way that we can blame something something else um i mean or, or it's just a way to define um force actually that that we we experience as as humans um but yeah i mean it, he talks about it right the most toxic force on the planet it cannot be seen touched heard or smelled but it can be felt yeah that's right um the enemy from within yeah i guess i do feel that i think that that's a that's a good way to describe the thing that gets in the way of creating. So then for you, when you're sort of maybe like prior to, to reading this book and you're battling resistance and you have something you know you need to do, but and you want to do it, but you also don't want to do it in that sort of strange way. Um, mm -hmm. How would you deal with that? Yeah, good question. I think that part of defining resistance and hearing it from someone else who experiences that same kind of struggle has helped me give it less power almost because I feel I, I'm not really afraid of it. And I think when you're afraid of that resistance, you, you feed it um, and you feed into it and you give into it because it almost becomes obsessive. So um, yeah, I don't like to, I don't like to fixate on resistance because it's sort of like, you know, oh, I shouldn't eat that chocolate cake. Oh, I, sh I shouldn't eat it. I shouldn't eat it. And then it's like the more that you try to resist it, the more you're pulled into it almost. Um, the more you know you're going to eat that chocolate cake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think, yeah. And then he says resistance has no strength of its own. We feed it with power by our fear of it. We master that fear and then we conquer resistance. So, um, yeah, I think knowing that, knowing that other people experience resistance and it's a very, very common experience has helped me sort of uh, be able to catch it a little bit quicker and, and understand, I guess, what's happening when that's when things are when I'm in the creative process. OK, so that's sort of the key idea in that section one is that idea of resistance and and what it is and that it's like this being at least that's the terms that he uses for us to understand it and then as you enter the second section of the book as he talks about conquering resistance he has a really sort of strange solution for it um which is to go pro uh, and by go right um, by going pro he means daily attending to your art regardless of mood inspiration circumstance mm -hmm. um and it's like a strict program of continual pursuit of the art and um he even talks about how his time in the marine corps taught him uh to be miserable uh, and how that's important for artists that artists must know how to be miserable and even to take pride in it um, so for yeah. him art is not something you do when inspiration strikes it's something you do with discipline and if you keep showing up, inspiration will show up. Like the muse will show up if you keep showing up. Mm -hmm. What do you make of that? 
the idea of going pro? Yeah. So in terms of becoming very, very, um, it seems that his approach, yeah, to going pro is a very intense, disciplined approach to art and creation, which is interesting because typically creative people are the opposite, actually, where we're, you know, like, let's just go with the flow. And, you know, if, if creativity strikes, if you're feeling inspired, then then it'll 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 happen. Um, so I've been in that camp for a long time where it's like, well, you know, let's just go with the flow, see what happens. And and generally speaking, I think that 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 works very well, because if you over plan something creative, um, you're going to have a pretty shitty product, in my opinion. Oh, I should. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you over plan something, you end up with um, you end up changing a lot anyway. And uh, so I think remaining open to creativity and not over disciplining oneself is important as a creative person but i think when you do somewhat reach rock bottom as a as a as a human when you experience a that a depth of loneliness and a depth of discomfort is when you might decide to make that that hard turn. So you would say, okay, well now it's time for me to go pro just because it gives me some sense of stability and some sense of structure um, in my own life, because it allows me to focus on the thing that I really, really want to do. And having those rules in place is, is actually incredibly comforting if you decide to especially pursue um, something creative as your, as your lifestyle for making a living. Um, so um in, in some respects, I can see it both ways. Like, it's a little bit like, whoa, okay, now we go pro. Um, it's a bit strong, but but I do think that it is a very useful way for a certain type of person to, to understand who they are as a creative person and, and what needs to happen if they're going to hope, if they hope for any kind of success with their, with their creativity. So... Do you think of yourself as a pro the way that Pressfield talks about it? Mm, you know, it's interesting because when I when I read it, I think I hear a voice of someone. I don't know how old Pressfield is, but but I'm assuming like, you know, he's an an older male who's been in the arts for years. So then I think he has the right to call himself a pro. Um, I feel really quite young. I feel even in the music industry, I'm very green. I mean, I've. I'm just learning. I'm still learning so much. So um, I wouldn't, I would say that I'm trying to be pro for sure. I'm trying to overcome resistance and, uh, you know, be very decisive and intentional about, about my life and the decisions I make uh, creative, creatively. So aspiring, I would say I'm an aspiring pro. Okay. Um, well, uh, let's talk more about that um, in a second. But if we move on to the third section of the book, Pressfield talks a little bit about inspiration and where it comes from. And he uses right. lots of terms and he talks about like a higher realm or evolution or angels or a muse. For you, mm -hmm. how do you think about inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I am a, a deeply spiritual person and I really do think that there's a purpose to everything. 
even though it's sometimes hard to see it, I think that there is there is a reason for all the things that happen. And and yeah, I, I do think that resistance is is essentially the thing that gets in the way of of God. And um, I think that inspiration is not coming from us. I don't ever feel like when I actually pretty much all my my best work or my best moments, uh, whether that be in performance or whether that be a song, I don't think that those are coming from me. Um, I think they do come somewhat from a result of my experiences and, you know, the, the harder I work and the, the more I, I do it, the more that influences the, the actual work. But I think that that inspiration isn't my doing at all. Um, I don't think I would, I would do anything that I do if it weren't for some external force providing inspiration. So I think, um, God does intend people to live lives and he does endow us with some kind of uh, passion and love and um, a genius that 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 continues to be that continues to inspire us. So yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I wanted to mention the the quote that says, "Most of us have two lives: the life we live and the life and the unlived life within us." And I think that there's that unlived life is is tapped into. Um, is is the thing that we long for so much because it is deeply spiritual and and connected to our creator and connected to God and and something that we're very aware of but you no know, like depending on our situation and the way we were raised and the way we were taught or the people around us or the voices around us or the voices in our own heads that tell us we can't live the unlived life within us. Um, that's why we're, 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 that's the thing that we're so passionate about because of how real it is and how important to us it is. So is that was sort of a big way to get around. <laughs> well, well I, I think I'm hearing a few themes like that's for you. Um, there's an influence of God at work in inspiration. Um, and that, that influence is helping us live or express that unlived life as in there's some sort of a uh, vision, a dream of uh, another life, a better life, uh, other words, other songs, um, and that, that God sort of is, uh, and I'm not sure how exactly uh, one or, or you specifically would want to talk about God here, but that God is that which uh, gives you the, the capacity for expressing that unlived life? Like, mm -hmm. have I sort of put your thoughts together right? Or is that like, no, no, I've totally misunderstood you. No, I think that's, that's totally accurate. And uh, I hadn't actually thought about it that way before, but, but that, that does make sense to me that that, that unlived life is not always, but often very much connected to God and um, trusting God and having faith are probably some of the hardest things that a person will ever have to do in their lives. And 
Um, so I think in, in my case specifically, allowing myself to live the prior unlived life and allowing myself to trust God in that choice to go after that life is, is really the, the challenge, the ultimate challenge. And, um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I like the idea of inspiration as being the, the moment that you glimpse, uh, the unlived life as in, we sort of know it, but you can't see it or you can't articulate it. You can almost just sort of feel it. And then in these moments, it's like, I've got the words, I've got the, I've got it. I can, you know, I can say it, I can show right. it as opposed to just kind of feel it. Yeah. But maybe Absolutely. let's, um, let's, let's pull out a couple of quotes from the book itself. And so what I'm hoping is I'd just like to read a couple of quotes uh, and just sort of get your thoughts on them uh, just generally. Sure. So cool. first, first we'll just start with chapter one, the resistance chapter. And, uh, mm -hmm. On page eight, he says, resistance seems to come from outside ourselves. We, we locate it in our spouse, spouses, jobs, bosses, kids, peripheral opponents, as Pat Riley used to say when he coached the Los Angeles Lakers. Resistance is not a peripheral, peripheral opponent. Resistance arises from within. It is self-generated and self-perpetuated. Resistance is the enemy within. Yeah, I, I like that quote for sure. And then I, th I think the quote, I, I have another quote that sort of gets at that even further because I found actually with a lot of creative people and I've found myself doing it as well, I want to blame external sources for um, the work that I haven't done. Um, and so I want to, it's easy for me to identify resistance externally for sure. But then that whole concept of criticizing other people, you know, the crabs in the bucket, um, that's what that's what people tend to do. And I've noticed it actually in my own life, like, you know, in the communities that you may be in, you, you see that people like to to mirror each other. And once someone starts facing their their demons and kind of going pushing away the resistance, it's like we watch them and we kind of want to pull them back down because it makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes us feel, um, it, it helps us become so much more aware of our own resistance. And so that's what this quote is. If you find yourself criticizing other people, you're probably doing it out of resistance. When we see others beginning to live their authentic lives, or to, sorry, when we see others beginning to live their authentic selves, it drives us crazy if we have not lived out our own. Um, so I think that that that's a really important definition of of what resistance looks like and feels like. Okay. Another one that I was wondering how you kind of think about is on page 14. He says Henry Fonda was still throwing up before each stage performance, even when he was 75. In other words, fear doesn't go away. The warrior and the artist live by the same code of necessity which dictates that the battle must be fought anew every day. So I'm wondering, um, there's sort of two points there. One is the fear, the nervousness, mm -hmm. um, but also the, the way that he equates um, the warrior and the artist um, and just how you sort of make sense of that, whether you 
have some appreciation for it or whether you have a lot of discomfort or how you kind of hold those things in tension. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember reading that part and just, and about Henry Fonda and thinking, no, like really, <laughs> like it has, to, it has to get easier somehow, you know? Um, but I mean, at the same time, so, so yeah, there is a level of discomfort with that whole notion that, you know, you just keep doing it and it doesn't necessarily get easier. In fact, I think it might get harder. Um, so there's definitely discomfort with that, but, but more than anything, that's a really satisfying truth to me. It's like, well, that, that actually only makes sense because if I want to get better at something, it's not going to come easy. And that's, that's the experience that we all have, right? It's like anything worth pursuing is not easy. In fact, it's pretty hard. So yeah, I, I like that quote actually. It's really important to have that fear and it's really important to, um, to acknowledge that fear, but be able to um, live live with a acceptance of it. It's interesting to me that you would say that it's somehow satisfying. Uh, like that kind of is uh, is telling of a sort of experience that you're having. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's that's just real. That's just the reality of of uh, the journey. It's like it doesn't it, nothing gets easier. In fact, it it really does get a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that only seems fitting. I, I, in a weird way, I think that it would be really dissatisfying if it was, if it suddenly felt easy, like, oh yeah, I'm just going to get up in front of these people and I'm going to, going to kill it. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to walk away feeling like a hundred percent. Um, then, then what is there to work towards? And and also, how could you possibly perform and channel something honestly if you're feeling like it's easy? Yeah. That's, that's really, really cool to hear. I don't think that I would have that perspective. And so it's, it's interesting to hear um, just how uh, honest and raw it is for you that like, yeah, this should be hard. And, and maybe there's some validation there that other people have found it hard too, but also like that's part of what makes the art valuable, um, or Mm -hmm. makes the journey worth it or, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I've had that before, um, some of my role models and, um, songwriters and performers, I think Bill Bourne said it once, I mean, I felt like I was insanely nervous before playing like a, a, just a small gig in a pub once. He said, it's really good. To, it's This is good. It's good to be nervous. Being nervous means that you care. It shows that it, it just shows how much it means to you, you know. Um, so as long as you can find a way to, you know, acknowledge those nerves and but still be able to perform, I guess that's the <laughs> that's the, the catch 22. But delicate balance well and maybe some of the yeah. nervousness is also about uh self-doubt which kind of leads me into the the next question uh, or next quote rather mm-hmm. uh he says self-doubt can be an ally this is because it serves as an indicator of aspiration it reflects love love of something we dream doing and desire desire to do it if you find yourself asking 
yourself and your friends. Am I really a writer? Am I really an artist? Am I really a musician? Chances are you are. The counterfeit innovator is wildly self-confident. The real one is scared to death. Does mm-hmm. that does that also have something of a um, satisfying sound, given your own experience? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's really satisfying because another interesting experience I had was when I when I read that part. That I think somewhere around that chapter is talks about um, don't bother too much trying to get support from the people around you because once you decide to get on that boat, I'm big time paraphrasing, but once you decide to get on that ship, you know, you're just going to be sailing and you're going to be waving to your, to your supporters because it's once you're on the boat, you're just going and and you have to go. And um, so that really resonated with me because it's like for a long time, I wasn't allowing myself to, I wouldn't even identify myself as a songwriter. People would ask me, oh, you're a songwriter, aren't you? I say, well, I say, well, no, not really. I mean, I write songs sometimes, like, but I wouldn't call myself a songwriter. Um, or, you know, you're a musician, right? And I would say, well, no, I mean, I play guitar, but I'm not really... I'm really not as good as most guitar players, blah, blah, blah. Like so much self-doubt, like crippling self-doubt to the point that I would show up to a gig and just kind of half-ass it really because I wasn't allowing myself to accept myself as a, accept my creativity and, um, and also forgive myself for the mistakes and just allow myself to do it. So, um, yeah, I think, that that's a really a really important thing to acknowledge in in the self is that um we all have self-doubt but what you have is something to offer and going through the struggle is actually something that you can give to the world in in a sort of a weird way and if especially if you're like me and you're not really raised to think that um art and music is a, a really tangible thing that you can give to the world um, it can be hard to invest time and money and effort into into it because it's really it's really kind of a crazy thing if you think about it. But that's I, and honestly, I think that's why I love this book because it sort of just put words to things that I needed to hear about how. And then I'm I'm going to read another quote that said he says creative work is a gift to the world and every being in it. Don't cheat us of your contribution. Give us all, all you've got. So there's the inspirational quote from Stephen Pressfield, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I really appreciated that. And, and that's something that I want to tell a lot of my a lot of my friends who have similar feelings of self doubt, but yet so much desire and passion to to share and give. That's great, uh, and and really gives a an amazing insight into yeah something that kind of fires you up, which is really cool. I want to move over to the next chapter and talk a little bit about the going pro thing. Um, I think for me, it was probably the most impactful part of the, the book. Um, because for me, I I know what it's like to feel resistance. Um, maybe not 
uh, certainly not as a musician, um, but in, in avenues in my life where I have something that I both want to do desperately and it's the last thing I want. Mm -hmm. And there's something about this going pro where he has both a timetable, which is every day, <laughs> and an attitude, which mm -hmm. is confidence. Um, that was really, yeah. really neat for overcoming like it's anxiety, but more than that. And so I, I thought this was really great. Um, and uh, this is a quote from chapter 64. And I might butcher this name, um, but someone once asked Somerset Moham, Moham, if he wrote on a schedule or only when struck by inspiration. I write only when inspiration strikes, he replied. Fortunately, it strikes every morning at nine o'clock sharp. That's a pro. In terms of resistance, he was saying, I despise resistance. I will not let it phase me. I will sit down and do my work. He reckoned another deeper truth that by performing the mundane physical act of sitting down and starting to work, he set in motion a mysterious but infallible sequence of events that would produce inspiration. As surely as if the goddess had synchronized her watch with his, he knew if he built it, she would come. And for me, mm -hmm. I found I found that really, really inspiring. Not to say like it's just hard work, but that hard work is part of it. Yep. Yeah. Has that been sort of impactful for you as you have really made the switch to really being a pro in the sense that you were you were trying to make your your living from music? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that one, that idea is very, uh, it was very reassuring and um, clarifying, comforting, um, because uh, I think maybe it, it worked really well. F that whole concept works really well for me. And, and maybe you can relate um, being someone raised in a kind of a rural, hardworking um, community and, um and also educate being in the education world where um, discipline is very is valued and work is very important. Um, so that was a language that language works for me. So the most important thing about art is to work. Yeah, he, he says that nothing else matters except sitting down every day and just trying. I love that because that is something I can do. So if that's true, if that's really the most important thing, then then I'm going to be OK. <laughs> I just have to keep trying and, and working. And yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense to me, too. Uh, you know, when I when I was studying social science and when I was in the academic world, there were a lot of similar feelings of, oh, my goodness, how, how am I going to graduate? Like, how am I going to pass this course? You know, I can't get my head around all this literature. How am I going to write my final paper? And I think that our university professors would probably say the same. It's it's like, well, as long as you engage the literature, as long as you take the time to think about these things, that's the most important part. It's That's the work, the process. The, the end result isn't as important as as the work because the end result... If it's meant to become something huge and if it's meant to um, change the world, so to speak, it will. 
it, it just will. I, I really believe that. So the only thing that we need to worry about is is doing the work. Um, and so that's how I felt in, in school. That's how I felt um, in a number of different jobs I've worked. And so I think that that's the same principle behind songwriting and playing music and basically taking out expectations, having uh, having realistic expectations, which in the music industry is next to none, <laughs> but uh, just not having expectations, but doing the work, playing music and uh, getting better and, and uh, achieving your personal goals and just trying to be, be the best you can be. So, and, and that's interesting. And, and I actually did want to hear more from you too. And, and um, yeah, I can see that maybe for you that this isn't, maybe this didn't speak right into your life because of it's not the work that you're, you're in, but did this speak to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you have maybe nailed down why. Uh, I don't think I had those words, so I thank you very much. But I think that it might pers- partially be my rural upbringing um, and this idea of, mm-hmm. you know, real work is is tough <laughs> and and you yeah. shouldn't try and shirk work. You should embrace it. And if you don't, you're lazy. And that's a, that's a vice, you know. Um, and yeah. And there's something about the way that he approaches it. So I'm like, yeah, I can work hard. And same thing with school. Again, like you nailed that for me as well. Like I'm not necessarily smart, but I can, I can work. I can pay attention. Mm-hmm. I can read. So, so yeah, I think in those ways, that's probably why it resonates with me. But as to how yeah. it's inspired me, um, part of the move to Saskatchewan, I don't know that it was intentional, but part of the move to Saskatchewan has been there's this opportunity to have a lot more quiet and space and time and just a slower pace. Um, and I've wanted to write and I've wanted to podcast for a while. I've been wanting to write for years and podcast kind of for months or maybe, maybe a year or a little more. Um, and having now mm-hmm. this time and space, I can do those things and it's wonderful, but it, it has meant this kind of, especially with writing, I would say, uh, it's meant this sort of battle of like, just get your 250 words done today. Um, and every day I, it's the thing I want to do the most and it's the thing I want to do the mm-hmm. least. Um, and there's a way yeah. in which he talks about that. And, and maybe I'll read you the, the quote that I'm thinking of, cause it, it'll take us to the third chapter, the one on inspiration, but this spoke to me and, and I'm wondering how you think about it. Uh, so the title of this is The Supreme Virtue. Someone once asked the Spartan king to identify the supreme warrior virtue from which all others flowed. He replied, contempt for death. For artists, read failure. Contempt for failure is our cardinal virtue. By confining our attention territorial to our own thoughts and actions, in other words, to the work and its demands, we cut the earth from beneath the blue painted shield banging spear brandishing foe and the idea of having contempt for failure as an attitude of just i'm gonna put something out there i'm gonna try my best and it might fail it might be laughed at it Mm -hmm. might be ridiculed it might just be people might just be indifferent to it 
and to have a contempt for that. How do you make sense of that sort of idea of contempt for failure? Yeah, well, it's interesting because as you were reading that, I, I was thinking about how um, I actually think that I've become a lot softer in the last couple of years, like a lot. Well, I've always been a very sensitive person, but I've become a lot more um, easy on myself and easy on people around me because I've had to do that. I've I've just decided to, you know, put myself out there with a very, very probable risk of failure. Um, so, you know, like, and I've lost a lot of sleep over it. I've, I, it hasn't been easy just to decide to just go for it because failure is a terrifying thing. And um, especially when you are raised with values of, you know, working hard and, and in our culture, I think probably every culture, you know, success is a God and, and being successful and being valued for your work, it becomes so self obsessive and it becomes, it becomes everything. So, and, and I think that it, what it does is cripples most of us because we're just too afraid to fail. So we don't try, we just don't try. And, um, and that is actually the saddest thing. So when I see someone on the street playing their guitar, well, it has to be the right, the right kind of person because there's some people that are doing it in a very egotistical, obnoxious kind of way. But, but there are people that, that in a musical sense, you can tell that they are, making this decision to put lay it all on the line, risk it all, you know, um, and be vulnerable. Like that vulnerability to me is now more than ever very beautiful and admirable because of how hard it is. Um, and it, and it shows, um, I think a strength and a maturity, um, that not certainly not everybody has. So yeah, having a contempt for failure is very important yeah, this whole self becoming is, is, uh, it's beautiful and, and admirable for sure. So yeah, I see it too. And I, I don't see it just in creative people for sure. Like I see it even with you and Vicky moving out to Saskatchewan and making this decision to take on this job and, and then have all this time to actually pursue these things that are important to you, but, but hard. And another thing, in a more tangible sense, I've, I've been thinking about people that are self-employed and being a self-employed artist. This is the first time I've been full on self-employed. And I don't think that someone who's never been self-employed can quite understand how, how hard it actually is. Because when you don't have anyone counting on you to show up for work, you don't have anyone expecting you to do anything you're when you have to be your own boss like Stephen Pressfield talks about it's uh that's almost half the battle right there just disciplining yourself and um believing yourself enough to employ yourself and pay yourself and be motivated in spite of your your fear of failure 
yeah, I think that that's, that's really, really important. And, uh, that's, that's a lot of the work right there. Well, moving on, you obviously would recommend this book, but is there anyone you wouldn't recommend it to? Hmm. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend it to someone who, uh, who is really skeptical of pretty much everything. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I mean, you can pick apart everything. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, there's no one that I wouldn't recommend this book to. And I mean, it's an easy short read. It's, um, it's definitely motivational, inspirational for, for anyone. Okay. Um, well, just as we, just as a final question for you, or maybe not question, but request, can you, in sort of 30 seconds or less, just give your plug for why this is an important book for someone to read? Sure. I would recommend The War of Art to anyone, but especially someone who has a lot of questions about their existence and about what it means to be in this world and to give back in some way that's beyond them and, and uh, to make sense of um, the complexities that they see around them, um, especially someone who is struggling to make sense of their creative calling and um, someone who's dealing especially with um, perhaps addictions or who's having some very personal struggles. I think that this is a book that, can help you identify those struggles, reassure you that they may be happening for a reason and that, that there are ways to combat them that are effective and life-giving and fulfilling. And um, yeah, I, I would recommend anyone read this book who wants to overcome resistance and uh, be the best version of themselves. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a, a does great that work? <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Uh, I think that's okay. a great place to to leave it. And uh, I want to thank you so much, Justine, for uh, taking the time to uh, to be with me uh, to talk about this today, and also for putting this book on my radar. It was a really uh, great read. Cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I really. Clearly, I'm passionate about this book and I want everybody to read it, but I appreciate you taking the time to read it and, and ask these questions. And and uh, now we can put it on other people's radar as well. That sounds perfect. All the best as you continue to uh, work in your, your music. Um, I should probably at this point direct people to your website, uh, which would be justinevandergriffmusic.com. Just justinevandergriff.com. Justinevandergriff.com. Um, and there you'll see tour dates, you'll see bio, you'll, uh, a bio, you'll see some uh, samples of music, um, kind of everything that you would need to see to get uh, a little bit of a snapshot of Justine's work, uh, which is really fabulous. Um, she's ambitious, up and coming, and, and doing really great uh, and interesting work. So please do check out uh, her website. And um, if you get a chance to see her live, absolutely do that. Justine, thank you again so much. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, seeing you whenever our paths cross. And I hope you have a lot of contempt for failure. Mm -hmm.
Oh, thank you, Josh. Thanks so much. Thank you for hosting. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening to Citation Needed. It was such a pleasure to have Justine on. And as a special treat, we're going to finish with one of her songs. I didn't want to change the audio quality on it at all, so I have left it just as she gave it to me. Um, So you'll notice that it's a little louder than the rest of the audio for the podcast. You might want to turn down the volume at this time. But without further ado, here's one of Justine's songs. And it's simply entitled, Jenny. Jenny.